Hello, great thinkers. Welcome back to the Think Great Experience. I'm I'm beyond excited today. Um, I have been looking forward to to connecting with Anita on this show because she is not only a friend, but somebody that I consider in the in the highest realms of professionalism and passion for what she does. Uh, Anita is the president and CFO of New Market Bank and is also fourth generation in that bank and. If I'm not mistaken, you have a fifth generation of family member that just started recently. So Anita, if, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about your role at, at New Market Bank. Gladly. Um, well, as the president of, of a small community bank, you get to do a lot of things. It doesn't just mean you sit in an office and think strategically about the business. You get involved with every aspect from changing light bulbs some days, <laughs> picking up trash on, in the, or shoveling the sidewalk um, to doing the strategic plan and really leading the whole, the whole team. So um, on a typical day, I am going back and forth between assisting other, assisting people in the loan department with new credit requests to looking at our financial statements as the CFO role to processing PPP loans right now, to listening to one of our team members tell me about their weekend. So um, I get to do a little bit of everything, which is never boring and always a different day. So what I'm hearing is you could be locked in an office, but you've chosen to be in the trenches and yes. even, even shoveling snow. Um, Did it last week. <laughs> well, hopefully, if I'm looking outside and, and this is any indicator, it's going away, which is I hope awesome. So, too. Yep. so let me let me ask you this. So um, how many locations do you have? We have three locations right okay. now in All Lakeville, Prior Lake and Elko New Market. And okay. Elko New Market is really where we started back in 1905. And, and so so leading the bank, you're making a decision to be out in the trenches with them to get your hands dirty. And I've, I've experienced a lot of leaders that may look at that type of work. And you even mentioned picking up, you know, trash or whatever. And, and I used to do that at the media company too. Not that we were encouraging people to throw trash down, but <laughs> I didn't just walk by it. And, and let me ask you this from a, and I know you embrace leadership development for you and for your team. I know it's an important topic for you, but when you shovel snow or you pick up something that you see, you just don't walk by things. Um, how important is it for leaders to to take that mindset, you have that mindset and take those steps every day? What, what does that do for the team or for even your mindset? Well, I, I think it's really important. Um, it's something that I learned from, from my dad, quite honestly, and he learned from his dad that you don't ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And I think that to to the rest of them, if if I don't look at it as a job beneath me, which it's not, because right. I take pride in our our business, that when I ask them to help out by doing the same thing, they can say, well, if she can do it, I could probably do it too. That's right. I mean, what a great, <clears throat> what a great mindset to foster in the entire organization that everybody just leaves it better than they found it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you can achieve greatness without it. I, I think that too many people don't take initiative on stuff that could be easily done. And that, that eliminates, I, I know these are like words that are like nails on a chalkboard. It kind of eliminates when we see the president and CFO 
of a family owned business doing those things, I think it eliminates the uh, it's not my job mindset. I hope Which, so. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that. It, I believe that so too. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this. And when you talk about leading your people, and I know you had a very uh, interesting answer to some of the things that, that, that you do in your role and, and some of the things that you enjoy, some of your favorite things might be because of your accountant background, a complex spreadsheet, Yes. which I've really I never, never heard that one before, but I get where <laughs> you're coming from, right? Like I was in the film industry. So sometimes I get onto the graphic side and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, let me just take a crack at this. Um, but you also mentioned that, that one of your favorite things is leading your people. And, and I've had the opportunity to work with your team in our classes, our courses, um, their appreciation for you as a leader is, is really unparalleled. Uh, they see it in you. I think that the leadership side of your role actually increases retention during these, these tough times. When you think about leadership and, and how you've embraced it, you know, maybe even in the last few years, why is that so important? You have a bank, it's very regulated, it's very compliant. You didn't have to pursue leadership. It's not a checkbox item, right? You can have the title of president, but you put yourself through leadership development and, and you put many of your team members. Why is that so critical for achieving greatness? Well, I think it really helped to enhance our culture. Um, quite honestly, for many years, H- HR, human resources was something it was the least favorite thing that I had to do with my job, um, supervising, managing. Yep. And I was tired of constant problems. Um, I felt like we, you know, we had come through a recession that was hard and it did put a lot of strain and, and stuff on, on people. And I just didn't think that our culture was where it needed to be. Um, it felt, it felt not fun to really come into where people were kind of complaining and, and stuff. Yeah. So um, it really inspired me going to the Lakeville Chamber to hear more about leadership because mm-hmm. it seemed like, geez, it doesn't have to be this way. Like HR, That's right. it doesn't have to be HR. It could be team and it could be leading and not supervising. That's and right. I think um, by us investing in the leadership development aspect, it really has changed our culture. We really do have a team mindset. Of course, there are always gonna still be small issues that come up, um, you know, with HR related topics, but they are way fewer and far between. I feel like our team really is cohesive and has worked well together. And so to me, it meant everything. It meant not just enjoying my day from a CFO spreadsheet standpoint, but also- Which is fun too, which is fun. People joke with me, but I'm telling you, it's, it's I one know of a my lot favorite of people things. That would agree. I, know, I know a lot of people that would agree with complex spreadsheets, sign me up. Yeah. I get it. Yep. Um, but really now it's, you know, it's really, it's fun to see everybody come together, achieve some really larger goals that quite honestly, the board even kind of, didn't think was possible when we first set out to to do them with our strategic plan and and to come together and have good attitudes and yeah hear people laughing even during stressful times is how great great is that like team morale is so critical yeah and we haven't even touched down on the pandemic yet the last you know 12 months but 
How has it been, you know, you put yourself through leadership development. So you went through our, our 12 month course, which was awesome having you in there. Um, I think that a lot of people feel that leadership makes sense for C-suite, right? CFOs, CEOs, CIOs, CTOs, <clears throat> all the C's. But you actually started to put people at different levels of leadership into our courses, started to get them developed as leaders. How has that impacted your ability to uh, have high levels of success or greatness by having your people embrace leadership? Well, it, it isn't just for C-level people. Um, it is for everybody. And I do think by having other people go through it, we're all talking the same language. We're all being consistent with our message. When we talk strategic plan, everybody yep. has kind of that mindset of leadership in the background. Yeah. Um, so we haven't been able to put everybody through everything. Just it's hard when you're a bank and you have to be open with a certain amount of staff, but right. you got to spread um, it out. Not to spread it out, but I do think it has been really important to um, continue to get that message out. I mean, one thing that we always say is you don't have to be the senior person. Anybody can be a leader. And right. it, from literally a part-time teller to all the way up, up to me, um, it doesn't really matter what your position is. It's all right. about how you treat other people and you act and the initiative you take. So, you, and, and you mentioned culture earlier. You can feel the difference when people think and act like leaders. <clears throat> yes. when, when I started at the media company, you know, I was entry level. I had just gotten back into the, uh, the post-production side of the film industry after being absent from it for four years uh, to take care of Gina. But I could feel the culture wasn't as energetic as it should be, you know, and there was a lot of complaining when, when I started there. And as we started to develop people as leaders, just their attitudes changed, um, shifted, enhanced, you know, there's a lot of power in each word. We, we don't want to change anything. We want to enhance everything. So it was interesting to see this dynamic happen by planting these leadership seeds. Would it be fair to say that, you know, in the, in the realm of, you know, these independent community banks, there is some competition for you out there. You're not the only one. No. But what would, what, if people are shopping around and saying, I got to find a community bank, why new market bank? Uh, what about the people that it attracts so many new people to you? Well, I do think, I mean, everybody says, oh, customer service. Everybody can say customer service, right? Yeah. Um, the, the difference is I, I do think that our culture has even enhanced our customer service, it, or yeah. at least that's what I, I hope and believe um, looking at customer surveys and, and stuff as people come in, they really feel completely welcomed. They feel like we're family. Um, it's, a, it's that feeling that they get yeah. when they come in. That's more than just customer service. It's like, Hey, these people actually like being here. They they like working with each other. They like um, serving their customers. And to me, that that is really what is our ultimate goal to be. Oh, you can tell you can tell when the culture's off, and you can tell yeah. when it's on. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no doubt. I I don't think I don't think businesses invest enough in their own people. I mean, they all want to be number one to their clients, right? But I think they miss the boat sometimes that that experience comes internally from their own people. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, when we did our 
st larger strategic plan about five years ago. We're up, we're up for a review or renewal of it. Our five-year goals were to be the community bank, the in capitals, um, in the communities we serve, and the place to work in the communities that we are in. And it feels like we've achieved that. I, I mean, I always have to continue to strive for it. Obviously, yeah. you can't get complacent, but it is nice to have um, your team come into your office and we've recently hired a couple of people and I've had on separate occasions, people come in and just say, I'm so glad I'm here. And that to me is, well, it's a huge compliment to the whole team that we've achieved one of those sure. goals that we set out to achieve five years ago. Well, and, and let's talk about that for a second, because I think, you know, when, when we were discussing greatness, I know for you, having that strategic plan five years ago and accomplishing, what did you say, 95% of the goals in there, mm -hmm. but, but it wasn't just the plan and it wasn't just the goals. Your own board wasn't used to doing things that way. Right. How did you, how did you get them to start to see the light? You know, that, that it's a, you're in a very traditional conservative industry. Here's how we've always done it. Could be easy to say, right? Mm -hmm. Even though in the last few years, there's online banking, there's this, there's that, there's things have shifted a lot. So you, so you really can't say that, well, here's how we've always done it and stay successful. But you had goals that you announced to the board five years out, which is tough for some people to envision, but what was that like to present it to the board? And, and maybe they didn't have the complete buy-in initially. And then you move forward with it, with your team, thinking and acting like leaders, and you accomplished so much of it. I think they had the buy-in of the actual plan. I think it was more of, um, these are really lofty goals. Yeah. I don't know how you're possibly going to get them done. Like, I think it's, you're putting, it's too much. Like, it, it's going to be too hard. Yeah. And my response was, well, I didn't come up with this in a vacuum. It was our team that put it, That's right. you know, we put it, yeah. we agreed on it. We talked about it. And so that to me was like, you know, I'm not just the one like demanding that we, yeah. we achieve these. Like people, we talked about it. We had several sessions and people were on board. And so I think I kind of was just like, well, this is the plan we came up with. And as the team started to actually achieve them, and I keep the board updated quarterly mm -hmm. um, on our progress, it was like, wow, okay. So, um, so to a certain extent, they moved from having buy-in on the plan to belief level as they started, you know, you started to see the team accomplish it. Yeah. But how important was it that the, the goals that you set were done as a team, not just Anita's goals, the team goals. It wouldn't have worked if it wasn't the team. Yeah. It, I mean, that. I think that's been part of um, issues with strategic plans in, you know, in the past across the, not just our company. I mean, right. Don't get me wrong. I think, you know, um, we've had plans where, where the officer team and stuff has been a part of, but I don't know that they had the feeling of complete buy-in yeah. like the team did when we put this in place and so usually they sit on the shelf and you know it's easy to it's really easy when things get hectic to not talk about the strategic plan um and that's been something too that every month we have a leadership 
meaning and we talk about it. It's one of the, it, it's the first topic in that monthly meeting. Yep. And no matter how crazy it is, we at least talk about it. Even if maybe ha progress hasn't been made as much as we have wanted to on a specific action item. Right. It's still in the forefront. So. Well, you were making it, you were striving for progress, not perfection, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then and we have had to, to course correct at times or we've put, you know, we've added things or yeah. enhanced things along the way. So let's just say that you had the buy-in from the board on the plan, but maybe they didn't fully believe it could be done just because the loftiness of the goals. Did that um, kind of create that challenge mindset in you? Almost like, well, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to show you. I'm yep. going to show you, you know, where it makes you want to rally the team, right? Yeah. You know, if they and just said. One comment was, what's your backup plan? I'm like, I don't have a backup plan. This is it. Like, that's right. it's because if I have a backup plan and the team doesn't think that I could, that I have faith in them, like, that's right. We're going to do it. So I think when there's an exit plan, people exit. I, I mm -hmm. think that there's a, there's a lot to be said about here's what we're going for. Yeah. You, you know, if, if new market bank was an NFL team, there's not a backup plan to winning the Super Bowl. You either win or lose, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, right. so I love that mindset. Um, are are you still setting new goals with your team then? As you accomplish some, are they are they then coming in and setting new goals and especially setting them during the pandemic? Yeah, and they definitely have changed, right? I mean, we we need to get back into a strategic mindset for sure. Yeah. Um, the last year has has taken us of working on the business more in, into working in the business yeah. um, because we had to, like there was just no other, no other way to do it. The volume has gone through the roof in several departments. Um, the government keeps throwing programs at us that we have to continuously implement. Um, it, you know, implementing new technologies has been a huge, huge deal because of not having the same number of people coming into the, your locations and stuff. So, um, well, not to has, mention you have to understand the programs so in depth before you can actually talk to your clients about it. That is, yeah. And it's really great when the government keeps changing the programs every you, other you, week. <laughs> I mean, this is what's crazy. New market bank has to be an expert in things that just came out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and so let me, let me ask you this then. There's a phrase that I, I picked up in the Marine Corps a long time ago, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Um, how, how have you improvised, adapted, or overcome since the pandemic? Because now you have, well, we never had PPP before. So here's something new. You also have a mortgage and you have a mortgage division. Mm -hmm. So you have a mortgage explosion that's happened. Mm -hmm. So unlike many businesses, you have stayed open. Mm -hmm. um, your people have been coming in and, and there is a high volume of work with unfamiliar protocols and procedures and stress. So in the last year, what tips do you have on improvising, adapting, overcoming, you know, what are some best practices that you've done to keep your team together? Well, I think it, first of all, has been all hands on deck. I mean, literally people are helping out in areas that, they may not be as well versed in, but you know, the mortgage department needs help. So guess what, uh, Sally, <laughs> we really need you to help them scan things. Like- That would've know, been a bad take, time for it's not my job. 
Right. Um, but I think one of the largest pieces that really helped us through was communication. Um, we, things changed, well, starting about a year ago right now, right. Um, things were changing sometimes hourly, it felt like, yeah. new information. And I'd send out an email in the morning and then find out something had changed by the afternoon and like, okay, well, here you go again. Sorry. So I started um, a daily update email to okay. our entire team waiting until the end of the day <laughs> to try yeah. and gather Good as move. much information. <laughs> so I wasn't constantly overwhelming people, but I do think that that helped um, it, as things started to kind of not change as much, I'd start to try and highlight like how much work the lenders had been doing on PPP or the mortgage department yep. or our, um, our teller new account staff because they were opening a ton of new accounts too. So really was all aspects of the bank that, that were kind of exploding. And um, it was a little bit of a crisis mode. I mean, it was kind of like come in and all of a sudden it's five o'clock at night <laughs> and you just kind of kept your head down and kept working while trying to still communicate and, and um, have that team atmosphere even when times weren't feeling so great. You know, we, we still were in the office and a lot of people were in the office and stuff. So it was kind of nice to still have some human interaction yeah. since, you know, you'd go home and you couldn't go anywhere afterwards so um I, I can only imagine how important it was to have a team not not a group of employees but a team of people who think like leaders when crisis hits yeah if if we had not gone i truly believe if we have not gone through the leadership development stuff and constantly kept it as a reminder and been talking about it i don't know that we could have accomplished all that we've accomplished in the last year um, it would have been too late to start after it all yeah. was blowing up because right. we needed people to have trust in each other and me <laughs> and the board. Um, and I feel like, I feel like we did because yeah. we had done the work beforehand. So I, I think that, you know, we've had so much feedback from so many of our clients that had their teams complete leadership development, then the pandemic hit and we got information from them saying, you know, they're, they're so much more prepared for navigating this chaos than if they hadn't gone through it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that, you know, we're moving from this great obstacle, you know, so we, we've improvised, adapted and overcome it, think great. And I like to say that there's three phases of this chaos, the great obstacle. So that was the pandemic and everything there but now we're going into the great transition before we can get to the great new era i think the transition phases are even harder than the actual obstacle you know i, I think that mm -hmm. there tends to be less variables than beforehand um and everything happened so fast i mean can you touch what was the impact of just from your own perspective all of a sudden there's this thing called ppp and you're supposed to be experts in it and everybody's supposed to qualify. There were really no guidelines. It was just get, and, and everybody was told you got to get it in quick. So can you just share a little bit about the impact 
of an unknown program. You know, yesterday it didn't exist, today it exists. And everybody, not just your clients, you had people from other banks, clients mm-hmm. from, applying through you. Yeah. You know, what was that experience like? Like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, we, you know, we we didn't have guidance. All of a sudden there's this program they kind of put out some loose rules and then we were supposed to be taking applications starting on, I think it was April 3rd, which was a Friday. Um, we had talked internally like, okay, we're going to, we're going to maybe take like up to $5 million of applications. You know, like okay. that seems like a lot, right? You know, sure. we $5 million, that's, that's a two months worth of regular origination of okay. loans. Um, so by... 10.30, Friday morning, 10.30 or 11 o'clock, we had already surpassed 5 million. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> They're like, well, maybe we can go up to 10. Well, by the end of the day, we had 10. And it was just this constant, which is kind of crazy because actually we did a total of about 25 million, but it was that first couple of weeks that really was like, the large majority. And, and actually most of our loans on average were about 80 million or $80,000. So if you think about it, I mean, we did 360 loans, um, which is about three years worth of volume for us in a couple months time period. So, you you know, the traditional loans that you do, Mm -hmm. traditional mortgage, everything is very traditional in banking. Here's how we've done it. And not that that's bad, but all of a sudden, here's something that has to roll out fast. Yeah. Did you ever have any nights where you just sat up, just scratching your head saying, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring? I mean, the uncertainty, and that's mm-hmm. just with one program. But yeah, what kept you up at night as a leader of a team going through, okay, we're going to do 5 million, you end up doing 25 million. Okay. So here's all this work coming in. Mm-hmm. With so much uncertainty attached to it. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, Anita, people had to be freaking out when they were applying, right? Freaking out. <laughs> you gotta get it in right now. And I mean, we would, we call people back, right? So yeah. that's about half of the loans that we did were not, they were not current customers. I think okay. 48%, I think, of our loans were to non-customers, people okay. we didn't have an established relationship with but they couldn't get their bank to call them back. Um, so, you know, I think it, there were things, first of all, I was worried about my people. It wasn't, there was during that time for those PPP loans, there was a group of five of us, team of five of us that really were doing most, most of that program. Um, I had three lenders, myself as kind of the front front operations, CFO calculation, reading the, the rules, reading the change in the rules person, and then um, our loan ops person who was really on the back end, you know, trying to book all the loans, get the paperwork out to our lenders and stuff um, and help on the reporting side because there's reporting to the SBA and stuff that we have to do too. And then you've got the mortgage department also exploding at the same time. So you've got two teams of people who are working a ton of hours a week. I mean, our lenders actually got up one 
one day we couldn't get onto the system to get the loans put in because the SBA system kept shutting down. They actually got up at like set their alarms for two in the morning <laughs> to put applications in because it was the only time that the system wow. wasn't so bogged down that they could, you know, get these things in for our customers. So now did they wake know, up the president for the 2 a.m. call or did they just let you know they were doing that? Um no, we had talked about it. We had a, we had a, um, every other day meeting, like a three o'clock call yeah. that we, we started doing really right away because things with the program were changing. So we had set up a, a call at three, three o'clock in the afternoon and like every other day so that we could just kind of say where we were at, you know, communicate what was going on and stuff. And, so during one of those calls, they're like, we just can't do it. So this is what we're going to do. So long and short, there, there was a period of time that the money did run out. There was about a week before Congress um, allocated more funds towards the project. And I remember looking at them and like, on um, this Friday, just take off. <laughs> I don't want you like, locked in. Like, who I, do you call? Who do you call first to say the money's run out, right? Like, well, I don't know that we had any customers that we had not at that point already approved, already told, told and approved. Yeah. Like when we were getting close, we were, you know, telling people it, we're not sure, you know, this right, right. we could go in and the money could run out. So there wasn't anybody that we felt like had not been communicated to, you know, to know that we'll try, but we're not promising kind of thing. And so um, I, you know, obviously they were first on the list when the money reopened up, but, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of a nice week, actually. <laughs> it was a little bit of a breather for us. So, yeah, yeah but I mean, you know, what I'm hearing is you, you have been able to build a team that not only has stayed together, become cohesive, maybe even tighter through the chaos, mm -hmm. but here's what baffles my mind. And I know people listening right now, I know they want to know how to pull this off. Mm -hmm. Some people have trouble getting their people to show up to work on time. You had people setting their alarms to wake up at 2 a.m. to get onto a system that was pretty much crashed by sheer volume. Mm -hmm. How great does it feel? You know, you have a family business. What you do to a certain extent is expected, right? You have a family business. There's things like it would be weird if you didn't do certain things, but you go above and beyond the call of duty. How great is it to have a team that sets an alarm for 2 a.m.? How did that make you feel as a leader? Proud. I mean, it was their idea, right? They were the ones who were like, we're going to do this. I, I would never ask them to get up at 2 in the morning to do it. So they were the ones who thought of it. And it was like, they're like, it just has to get done. I mean, we have to serve our customers. Yeah. And so I, I mean, yeah, happy, I guess I was, um, I don't know if proud's the right word, but just proud to be part of a team actually yeah. that cared that much and yeah. cares that much about um, the people that we're serving and, and stuff. So. Because it would have been so easy to say, I'll try again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's that one little degree that one little degree that separates, you know, good teams from great teams. And, and it seems like your team, and I, I can feel it when I go in, when I'm around your people, you can feel the energy. 
You can feel it all the time. So I know that this last year has been tough. It's been tough from a workload standpoint, probably even just an unknown standpoint. I think every leader has been challenged this last year to step up and be the leader their team needs. And, and I'm kind of big into identifying cliches and, and saying what they really mean. And I ask a lot of people what their favorite cliche is. And, and, and yours is, if it isn't hard, it isn't worth doing. Mm -hmm. So this last year, does it qualify as hard, as challenging? <laughs> and, and how have you had to tap into that maybe pre-COVID, but also during this whole time period? Yeah, that's been my cliche for a, a long time. Um, it, it probably actually started more back in like 2008, 2009, when we went through the Great Recession. Sure. Um, we, just like several other banks had, had issues that we needed to overcome. And... Um, the regulators were not always the easiest to yeah. have conversations with and to reason with. And I think um, a few of our meetings with regulators kind of, I looked at it as a challenge. Um, it, it, the challenge was to overcome some of the obstacles that they were saying we probably never could or getting past some of the requirements faster than they ever thought possible. Right. So when we were able to do that, it took a couple of years, but it, I look back and I'm like, you know, we overcame things faster than what they, they thought was possible. Um, even probably, probably, I don't think that they necessarily thought that we should even be around, you know, mm. not that we, we were a good bank and we did a lot of good things, but I think sometimes I, I honestly do think that there were times where you look at how many banks there were pre recession to post recession, right? There were a lot of challenges that people had overcome and they got tired. And That's instead right. of going through it, they just decided to try and sell because it was really hard. Yeah. And so that wasn't going to happen this was, you know, a family bank. I came back, I came from an accounting career that I enjoyed to come help run the business. And both between my dad and myself, we're very committed to staying in the communities that we serve. So I think back then is really when I started kind of saying, hey, it isn't hard. It was, it was so much, we appreciated it more when we accomplished it because it was hard. Right. And um, I think my kids hate hearing that. <laughs> I use that term a lot, um, but I, I think it's true. You know, you appreciate things more when, when they were difficult. You do. And then if it was handed to you. Well, I think, you know, looking back in my boot camp days, it was 90 days of uh, <clears throat> definitely challenging, definitely hard. But at the end of it, you felt like you earned something, yeah. you know, if they had cut us slack, which they never asked us if we wanted any slack cut, they never asked us, would you like this easier today? But at the end, that feeling of accomplishment was so huge. I, I think that, you know, now you've got two major catastrophic events, the Great Recession and the worldwide pandemic, you know, kind of under your belt, you know, which I feel, I feel those those moments in time sharpen our leadership blades. It really mm -hmm. creates this 
forging where we become better leaders, sharper leaders. Um, and it's not over yet. I mean, the, the, the pandemic, who would have thought, you know, we're a few days away from the one year anniversary, not that we're going to start celebrating and, you know, we're not celebrating that anniversary, but I think it's ironic that almost year to the date, we start moving into this transition phase, which could be more challenging. I do think, yeah, I think when you're in, in the midst of something that is a chaos crisis, you know, your instinct takes over the, the development, the training that you've had takes over. You just do right. You, think through what's going to be the most efficient and effective process. You communicate with each other, you implement things and you just kind of keep doing it. What I'm, what I think is going to be the challenge and what I see as the challenge is to try and bring people out of that doing chaos crisis mode to really thinking strategically again. It It's hard when you're in the midst of like working yeah you know, 12, we, we almost 14 have to hour days them. to think strategically. Yeah. And you have to almost retrain them to get back into yeah. that zone. Yep. And it's something that I thought we'd be kind of out of that crisis mode by now. Yeah. Um, but the volume hasn't, hasn't cut down. Yeah. Um, which the longer it goes, the harder I think it's going to be to kind of refocus. But I keep bringing it up. So it's not going to be a surprise. <laughs> I'm well, see, still I think giving that, yeah, people the leeway. Yeah, you yeah. got to keep planting those seeds. This is coming. Yep, yep. Well, it's I coming. Mean, like I haven't forgotten, you know, I'm, and you might not think I'm really telling the truth, but I just, it, it's, I don't think I, I'll get the best self out of them until, out of myself, until right. we're not working, you know, 12, 14 hour days, yeah. which is, which is fine. We don't mind doing it because we're serving the people that we're serving. But at the same time, it's really hard to not think of like the task in front of you until you you have a little time to breathe. But I, I know communication with your team is, is so critical to you. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's critical to everybody during the pandemic or in the upcoming transition. But I think what you're doing that's brilliant is just planting those seeds that we're going to start to get back to this strategic mindset. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought a year ago that businesses would be having difficulty even bringing people back to work? And that's a reality for a lot. I mean, yeah. you you service a lot of different clients. So, you know, you're probably hearing all the the war stories out there. But that's an interesting, I think, I think if COVID had come and gone in a month, it'd already be forgotten right now. Yeah. But the fact that people have been remote or distanced for a year. I mean, that's as long as some military deployments. Yeah, and it's definitely changed how the workplace looks for different businesses. I mean, we've had, we have had some people working at home or working remotely at various times during the last year as well. Um, And luckily we had put in place a kind of flexible work. Yeah. work relationship with a lot of our team um, and people had laptops and stuff. So they're kind of used to working at home if they like had a sick kid, right? You know, it's like, okay, don't make, sure. we're not going to make you take a day off if you can work at home, but you have to be there just to be there yeah. um, in some cases. So we had kind of that flexible aspect to our, 
our work, our team, and which has helped a lot, yeah. I think, um, to implement it. But then, you know, I look at my husband, he had started a new job in November of 2019, had barely like been there. Right. I mean, and then was sent home and he doesn't know when he'll get to go back into the office. And on top of it, his office is downtown Minneapolis. And so there's been all of the unrest <laughs> besides. Yeah, he might so, not be. <laughs> so it's kind of like you got the pandemic, but then there's the safety issue as well. Right. And so, and he's I think an that's extrovert. An important... So he needs people. Oh, I like, know he is. I know he is. <laughs> so it's been a challenge <laughs> sometimes like during the week of this two weeks of quarantine when we're trying to share an office and he finally moved his stuff downstairs because I'm like, it's just it's difficult. I may have to have Jeremy on the show at some point to get his <laughs> yeah. thoughts on, on, on quarantining with you. But you know that you bring up a good point, though. It's not just the pandemic. You know, that, that's been in our lives for a year. But during that year, we had civil unrest. We've had an election year unlike anything we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I know speaking from a Minnesota standpoint, the state has tried to unsuccessfully transition out of the pandemic and then came back, mm -hmm. transitioned out a little bit and then came back. Um, mm -hmm. All of those things are stressful to people. Whether it was the right move to do or not, it's just stressful. Yeah. And then on top of it, now we go into a transition phase where just like you said, you, you know, Jeremy's organization is going to do it different than yours. This one's going to do it different than that. This state is different than this state. There's no there's no commonality in all of this. Right. It's just confusion and, and more chaos, but we're transitioning back. And then there's people that don't even want to come back to work. Well, and that's, yeah, we have, we definitely have customers that, you know, can't find workers. And I'm also on the Dakota Scott County Workforce Development Board. And that has been a big topic for, for our board is that, you know, you've got a ton of people who are unemployed, but you have a ton of businesses that have, um, for higher, sure. you know, jobs. Yeah. But they might not be the right jobs that people That's don't, right. don't want to do, or, you know, during the unemployment, well, when you get extra unemployment, some people literally were making more than what they were making at their job. And so it was better to not. So that, that's work. an interesting point too, because so, so with unemployment, they, they give you a little extra each week. And then when the opportunity is there to come back, people say, no, I'm going to stay on unemployment. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know as a business coach, a lot of our clients had trouble finding people to come to work. So these are, I, I hate saying the term unprecedented times, but these are certainly unprecedented times. So I, I want to ask you about a, a leadership trait that I, I found interesting that you chose this as one of your, you know, key traits of a leader, and that's persistence. How, how important is that right now? And for us to teach our people about being persistent, especially going into this transition phase, which could last a year in and of itself, you know? Yeah, I think for me right now, um, I don't know if that would have been the one that I would have chosen two years ago, but yeah. I think after our, going through everything in the last year and then knowing that we have to make that transition, people are tired. They are. I know. Um, I'm tired. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I mean, there's days where I'm like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm just tired. Um, but reminding myself, you, 
persistence is is really important. It's important to the team that that I'm part of. It's important to our customers. It's important to my family. Um, it, we got to stick it, with it. Yeah, it, we have to hang just, in there. No, and you can obviously decrease the intensity a little bit as far as the number of hours being worked and yeah. stuff. But I think the persistence of not like just shutting down That's is right. a, a key thing that um, to me is really important to keep reminding myself of. And I think, I think when you identify traits that we want to see people exemplify, obviously we start with ourselves first, but these are traits we have to teach our people. You know, we have to talk about being persistent and it's an interesting one that you chose because throughout my whole career as a coach, I've always used two words to teach people that, you know, we live in a very, um, I always call it the fast food culture. We want things right now. You know, this isn't fast enough. This isn't fast enough. This isn't fast enough. The transition won't be fast, but I've always taught people to be patiently persistent because that patient part, we just don't know. We don't know the timeframes on this transition. You know, we don't know what's coming. And, and even the PPP, round one or round two, there's still new news coming out about how it's all going to roll. Maybe it's taxed. Maybe it's not. I mean, you know, there's just some crazy stuff. From a, In Minnesota, from a, it's taxed right now. <laughs> so one um, of the, I don't know, is it, it one of the few states where it's taxed? Yeah, we're, I think maybe 14. I think I was just on a couple of legislative calls in the last week. And I believe that there's, I think there's 14 states that still haven't um, set conformity. And it's something that I know, I, I think the Senate actually brought it forth last week, but um, it's still held up in committee in the house and it, it could be a while. Um, so when something like that it. happens, when somebody hears out there that the PPP money may be taxed, are you guys getting flooded with calls? You know, we were when it was the IRS. What fear? What I'm fearful of right now is that people don't understand that um, Minnesota is different. Yeah, <laughs> and they are going to be upset when they go to file their returns um, because they thought that they heard that you know that got fixed, which it did at the federal level. At the federal level, yeah. Um, but the state level, so, they, Minnesota wants a piece of the action. Yep. Yeah. So um, that it's something that like the independent trade, independent bankers trade association, a lot of the obviously chamber and commerce, commerces and stuff, everybody is really lobbying for the Minnesota Society of CPAs. I'm part of, I am a member of that. They're lobbying for it. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that um, everyone in the Minnesota legislature has heard about. <laughs> so oh, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. they're hearing about it. Yes. L so let me let me ask you this. And you've mentioned a couple times throughout this discussion that you're on different boards. Um, you have a lot on your plate. You lead a, a big team. You're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, as we start to give some some additional tips to people that that are really going to go, you know what? I could do it. I could do it the way Anita's doing it. Why, why have you chosen to dedicate so much of your time to being on boards? What does that do for you? Well, uh, probably a few things. First of all, I, I mean, I, some of the boards that I've been on for longer, like they're my, they're my, 
my peers. <laughs> like I, um, you can run ideas by them. Yeah. Outside of that organization. Right. So yeah. especially during all of this, like I look at the independent community bankers in Minnesota, I've been on that board for several years and we had weekly calls. Um, it was probably the best hour during the pandemic, could, during the pandemic, okay. they, the board would do a zoom call and we would talk sure. about everything. It was one of the best hours. I look forward to it every week because they were my peers and we all had the same questions and some people had figured something out that maybe I hadn't, or I had, I could help somebody else out with something that they didn't know. And just to have, um, other people going through the same thing that you were was so, so helpful. Um, I think if I look at the other organizations I've been involved with, just having the outlet of the people that you get to know, whether that's in the same industry or not, is, is so, it's great. Like it, it's just, it's needed actually. I, I think people should, what I'm hearing is people should look into you know, maybe, maybe volunteering some of their time in a board just to have that peer-to-peer -peer collaboration, especially during challenges. Yeah. So there's definitely that aspect, right? But there's also a rewarding aspect of being on a board and helping to do something great for that charity or organization, mm -hmm. um, being part of something different than just the business that yeah. you're kind of always, you, sometimes you get stuck, I think, when you're in trenched in just your own business, you, you think the same way. And by being part of something else, sometimes it triggers something and you're like, Oh, yeah. you could do it. It could help you back in your own business. Or it's just like, I feel really good that we just did this for, for another person. You know, there's a feel good, maybe a, that seems selfish, but there's a feel good piece of it too. But I, so <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But I think that what a great way to be selfish. I'm going to be selfish. Yeah. I feel good helping other people. I love yeah. that. Of all the ways to be selfish. And I know, I know one of the traits of the Marine Corps is unselfishness. I think you finally came up with a way to say it's okay to be selfish if we're giving back and making somebody else's life better. But let me, let me ask you this. I really want to segue into this. You have done so much for our foundation. You've supported our foundation, the Think Great Foundation. And, you know, we award scholarships to military spouses and and, and you'll, you and your team and your bank have been sponsors of that. And, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. But you also give back to other foundations with time and money. How important is it for business leaders to give back to the community? And, and, and it's not required, right? But, but you do it. You do it often. And it, yes, it makes you feel good. But um, it also probably impacts your team, too. Yeah. It, so what? quite a while ago me and it was somebody came to me and was like let's wear jeans every friday okay well in banking that's like a big right like ooh, jeans wow. okay so i'm like you know how could we do this and still help the community so we started this give back to the community program and we cho choose a charity each month and i mean the jeans are kind of it was just a nice way of sure. starting to actually do something. Yeah. Um, we encourage our team to, to give us suggestions for charities that are near and dear to their hearts. And we choose a, a new charity each month of the year. And then the bank matches, you know, what the community gives yeah. and what our team gives. And 
honestly, some of it is I love learning about new charities because I can't, um, I cannot believe how many charities are in it's crazy. our area, yeah. our, you know, our local communities, the independent foundations or charities. Yeah. So that's been um, fun to get to know different organizations. Um, I think it, it does make our team feel good that they can put a suggestion in something that's important to them. Um, and I think it's important to support. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's a, it's a big deal. We should give back to the communities that we serve. Um, I mean, we've actually, we've been able to hand out scholarships because of your genes program. How great is yeah. that? <laughs> Who would have thought? There you go. Well, so okay. People... So I want to talk about a foundation that's really near and dear to your heart. And, uh, you know, you, you, you helped start this up because of an incident that happened. Um, I'm going to jump forward to last February, right before the pandemic hit and <clears throat> to help support this foundation. And I'm, I'm originally from California. So this seems like a very odd thing to do. I did my first polar plunge and I jumped in a frozen lake <laughs> to help out an organization called Chase's Warrior Foundation. Um, now this one is not just you supporting an organization, you're highly involved in this. Can you tell us a little bit about why this one means so much to you and what you do as a give back as a result of, you know, this funds and, and the efforts of others coming together? Sure. So, um, several years ago, we, a group of, of us, um, friends, neighbors all decided we were going to take our kids on a spring break, um, Disney cruise. And several of us gave this to their, our kids the Christmas before for their Christmas gift. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was going to be like the vacation of a lifetime. Right. Um, so we went and unfortunately our neighbors who lived across the street from us, they, um, their four-year-old at the time, he just, my neighbor turned around to put her bag down and he took off once they got down to the pool and he fell in and nearly, nearly drowned. Um, God willing, they resuscitated him and um, they have had a long road, but um, Chase is still with us. And that's who the foundation is named in honor of. Um, he suffered an obnoxious brain injury, um, is unable to walk or speak, um, but the Lickens, who are the parents of Chase, Chris and Lisa, had this amazing idea to give back to other kids that have special needs. Um, they were fortunate. We, as as um, neighbors and stuff, we did a large fundraiser for them to help out with a lot of their costs. Um, Chris has had a good job. They've been able to um, get different adaptive equipment that has really benefited Chase. There's a lot of families out there though that um, with different with kids with different disabilities that can't afford adaptive equipment. So their idea was to form this foundation so that we could purchase adaptive equipment for kids with special needs. And that's what we've been doing for now the last several several years. And that's how you got a California guy to jump in a frozen lake. Yes. So the Polar Plunge Special Olympics has been wonderful to partner with us for the last several years. And our team has grown 
I yes, think, it has. I think last year we had like 140 to 150 jumpers. Um, we're one of the largest teams in Minnesota, raised close to $50,000 or wow. maybe even slightly over that. Um, just some people from Prior Lake <laughs> who literally started it kind of like in, in a living room um, right. with a sm small idea and, and with large benefits. So, but the Polar Plunge has been great to partner with us. Unfortunately, this year with the pandemic, it didn't work right. to have a typical Polar Plunge, but, um, but we had done that for several years. How old is Chase now? Chase is 11. 11. And the adaptive quit equipment that you've supplied to families has gone outside of the United States too. Is that correct? Yeah, we have had, um, we went international to provide, I believe it was an OPSI to a child in Mexico. So how awesome that is was, that? Yeah, it was, it was exciting. Wow. <laughs> so we've done, so an OPSI allows a kid to be strapped to an adult and um, mimic walking. So yeah. that they feel like you're walking. We've given trikes um, away, special adaptive trikes and special seats so that kids can sit upright. Um, What's the biggest challenge for you as a board member of the foundation? For the, for the Chase's Warrior Foundation, what's your biggest obstacle right now in regards to the equipment that you're trying to get out there to kids? Um, well, we're starting to get more requests, but that has been one of our challenges is to get it's people finding to the apply. Kids. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I think, um, you know, that's, it, it's starting to pick up somewhat. I know um, the Lickens were in Gillette, like Chase was in Gillette's for a long time. So they okay. have a relationship with, with um, people there and they've been handing out our name at times and stuff, that's which great. is good. Um, but yeah, that's kind of one of the larger challenges sometimes is to get the requests in. So if somebody is listening right now and they may know a family that has a need, where can they go to find out more info? You can go to our website, chaseswarriorfoundation.org. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, that, that incident that happened led to so many great things that you guys turned that into something powerful for children that that chase may never meet you may never meet but there's there's certainly a lot more to to giving back than even just meeting the people just just being able to do something so awesome from something so tragic is, is so critical you know yeah chris and lisa are super inspirational i mean to really look at the situation and turn it into something positive they could have just dwelt on the negative and it was their wish to do something positive out of the situation. And I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would have been strong enough to be able to, I was just thinking the same thing. The, the so, mindset that they have to have is talk about persistence and talk about your cliche, right? If it mm -hmm. isn't hard, it probably isn't worth doing it. Um, I can't imagine, you know, that happening to a child of mine and then being able to come out, um, so optimistic about helping other children. I mean, yeah. talk about amazing role models for us. Yeah. So let me ask you this. There's, there's a lot of people listening. They know that the Think Great experience is all about moments of greatness and what you did to get there. You know, you've done amazing things with your team. You've done amazing things for your clients, including shielding calls from people that needed information before it ever existed. <laughs> you know, 
Um, and you've done great things in the community. If there's any key lessons that you could give to somebody saying, you know what, I want to head towards greatness in my life, what, what would be some advice you could give? Well, I do think the leadership development focus is, is huge. Um, I really believe it shifted my mindset yeah. and our team's mindset. And so, you know, investing in that is, I think, something that is necessary for a good culture, a good that, team. That personal and professional development as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, it's a smaller price to pay to pay for development than to lose people. <laughs> right. Well, I know when we started looking at leadership development, I mean, um, the board had been talking to me about like a career coach for myself. Yeah. And I went back and I said, you know, I'd really like to take that money and spend it. Yes. Some, somewhat on myself by going through the leadership link, um, yeah. but also on the team. And I'm glad that, that, that is what they supported me in doing because I feel like, yeah, it was, it's good to work with a coach too. I've done it before it, yeah. it, it in earlier in my career, which actually I really needed at that time. Sure. Um, but I'm really glad they supported it. Well, I am too. I am too <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> you know, it was great to have you in the leadership link program. And, and I know that, you know, it's kind of a consistent theme people are hearing about leadership each time we talk about the think great experience, right. That, that, people have had these, these life enhancing moments where leadership helped guide them through challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad they said yes, because I got to work with you, uh, with your peers at a, uh, at a, at a very unique table for 12 months and just get to know your team members, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, um, got to share their thoughts on leadership with their peers, you know, from other companies. And I think that was huge. And I know goal setting is extremely important to you too. Um, I would say that, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm catching through all this is to stay focused on goals. Is that, is that critical during these, these chaotic times or transition times? Should leaders out there listening saying, you know what, you know, another thing Anita said, because I have a feeling I'm going to hear that. <laughs> another thing Anita mentioned is um, setting goals. Is that critical right now? Should people move goals to the forefront during chaos and challenge? Because I think a lot of people think, well, I'll just hold off on that. Yeah, I think goals are, they can be as simple as just getting through the chaos <laughs> challenge. Yeah. But I think having having a greater goal is really important to continue to focus on. Um, you know, it's it's something that has been important, important to me. Um, it's something that I've tried to introduce to a mentor students through different programs yeah. and really trying to get them to focus on goals and show, you know, like looking at the larger goal is great, but like shortening it up to the 90 days. Those actionable goals, right? Yes. The ones we can take action um, on right now, those 90 day goals are huge. Yep, they're huge. And so I think having goals, no matter how chaotic it is, is really important. I mean, Anita, I think you have given our listeners so many valuable tidbits today. And uh, can you also tell us how to find out more information on New Market Bank? Where can we go for that? So our, our um, website is newmarketbank.com. How um, easy is that? How easy, right? <clears throat> we can, I can we're speak... also on social media too. So. Um, oh, I know people are going to look out for you. And, and also too, I can say with complete authority how awesome your culture is. 
because we shifted all of our accounts to you guys uh, actually right before the pandemic. And thank goodness we did. Yeah. It was a, yes, you do have great teamwork, but that customer service is pretty awesome too. But you guys, you know, you actually, you actually live out what you say. You know, you have a family business. It feels like a family there. You have a team. They conduct themselves as a team. You give back to the communities. It's not lip service. You actually do it. I just, uh, Anita, I'm honored to call you my friend. I was, I was ecstatic that you were going to come on here because I knew you had amazing insights to share. And I just want to thank you for taking some time, investing time uh, on the Think Great experience to share your, share your thoughts and, and give people some, some ideas on how to take those steps towards greatness. I think, I think you're a phenomenal leader and I think that you are doing amazing things, not just at your bank, but you know, in the community too. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you inviting me on. 